Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to store and lock away all medications to prevent theft and keep them away from children and pets. Old medications can be disposed at Dropbox locations. Dropbox locations can be found at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to another edition of Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Uh, in February of this year, Russia shocked the world when it actually followed through on uh, longstanding threats to invade Ukraine with the intention of reclaiming it as Russian territory. For weeks, uh, the headlines were full of news about the brutal invasion by Russia. Uh, but in April of the last year, this past year, Maureen Dowd, the columnist for The New York Times, asked a question that I think many people had. She said, will our interest, will our attention remain focused on Ukraine? She said, we live in a world of easy deceit and endless distractions. Solidarity with Ukraine is trending now, but will it last? Real solidarity is not a trend. It's a commitment. Can the Ukrainians count on us, or are we going to let them down as our attention wanders? That's a question that still deserves uh, to be answered and will continue to be a question for some time to come. But our guest today has made it clear that his commitment to help the people of Ukraine is sincere, ongoing, and robust. Um, we're joined today by Emery Morrisberger, longtime Metro Atlanta business leader and uh, someone who has been to Ukraine and has now uh, been helping them by sending supplies, surgical supplies, other medical supplies, beyond that humanitarian aid. And we're really happy, Emery Morrisberger, you're with us today for Political Rewind. Thanks for joining us, Emery. Thank you, Bill. Good morning. It's great to be here. Um, so, Emery, you actually traveled to Ukraine in June, and we'll talk about your experiences there. But why did you decide, um, while so many of us out there were concerned about what was happening there, most of us did not just pick up from our day-to-day -day jobs and travel to Ukraine to see what we could do. Tell us your story. Bill, I visited Ukraine in 1998. And, and uh, met with a number of folks there and was amazed at their their appreciation for their freedom. They had just come out from under the Soviet Union and, and for the first time in centuries were actually free of outside influence and they were on their own. They were excited to, to keep going on their own and they tremendously valued their freedom. Uh, when they were invaded on February 24th, I wanted to do something. I, I started writing checks to charities, but I, I decided that I wanted to actually do more than just write a check. I actually prayed about it and asked for a mission. And a group in Tucker, Georgia, called FODAC, Friends of Disabled Adults and Children, was putting together a shipment of medical equipment that was going to Ukraine in June. And, and I uh, was asked if I'd like to escort that shipment into Ukraine. And I just said, here I am, send me. And uh, a month later, there I was in the war zone with air raid sirens going off, uh, getting equipment to doctors and delivering food and other supplies to refugees within the country. It, it, it was something beyond any experience I've ever had in my life. Um, and I'm not giving up. 
I, I didn't mean to cut you off there at the end. Um, you went uh, uh, with the organization you just mentioned, uh, but also once you got there, you found yourself uh, also to some extent in an unofficial capacity serving as representative of Rotary International. You met with uh, dozens of of the Rotary organizations in Ukraine, and of course, Rotary has an international commitment to helping people in need. Bill, there's there's a, a large number of nonprofits that have been helping in Ukraine from all over the world. Uh, Rotary is one of the leaders. As, as always, they're they're first and and organized and and ready to help in any way possible. Uh, the Atlanta area Rotary clubs came together in March, raised money to to buy this equipment that Fodak organized in their Tucker facility, and and um, they, they continue to work throughout the world uh, to get supplies and equipment into Ukraine. Uh, the, the shipment that I was escorting, we called it the Rotary Relay. It was actually organized and paid for by Atlanta-area Rotarians, including myself, organized by FODAC, uh, headed by a, a Rotary Club president, Chris Brand, and then shipped out of, um, out of Tucker on, on UPS, free of charge to Hartsfield-Jackson, and then half price from Hartsfield-Jackson to Germany uh, by Delta. Thank you, Rotary Club folks all the way. It was received in Romania by, by Rotary Clubs there and then uh, shipped across the border to Rotary Club warehouses in Ukraine. Those folks all are, are unified and, and work seamlessly to, to turn money into supplies that are placed into the hands of, of doctors and refugees. So what was part of that first uh, shipment? What, what, what was sent uh, to Ukraine uh, when you first went over? Uh, breathing equipment. And uh, I, was, I was actually carrying in my luggage striker surgical drills. These are surgical drills that allow a doctor to piece together your arm or your leg after it's been hit by shrapnel. And, and they allow, and I actually delivered that equipment to the lead doctor in the lead hospital in Kiev. And, and basically what that meant was instead of amputating your arm or your leg, he could put it back together and have you walking or throwing a baseball in two or three months. Previously, before this equipment, amputation was pretty much the, the only way to operate, and it was just a question of above or below the knee or elbow. So, so that's what we were delivering, and, and it went right into use. And, and since then, we've sent several more shipments, and it's heavily used. We're also delivering incubators where a newborn that, that needs special attention uh, is, is, is able to be housed in an incubator with battery backup. The drills also have battery backup. In the case of the incubator, the, the incubator can be picked up and carried to a bomb shelter in the basement of the hospital in, when an air raid siren sounds, which is pretty much daily. That, that just in and of itself, I, I saw that in one of the notes uh, that I read about your uh, work and, and the work that's being done by many organizations over there. Just it's chilling to think about the fact that the Ukrainian hospitals need battery-operated incubators for fragile infants who need to be moved to bomb shelters 
because the Russians have declared uh, that hospitals are not uh, safety zones. Uh, unfortunately, you're right, uh, and that's the that's the way it is, and 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 we're dealing with it. So these incubators are in use throughout Ukraine now. We need to get more in and. Helping Ukraine.us is doing that. Uh, the, the surgical drills that I mentioned, uh, they also work on battery power. They don't plug into a wall. So a surgeon with a headlamp and his nurses with headlamps can operate on somebody without shutting down due to power interruptions. So and uh, that's, go ahead. No, go please, ahead. No, please continue. The, the, the doctors have, have been incredibly appreciative of the equipment we're dropping off uh, throughout Ukraine. And and, uh, and there's a strong de- demand for more because of the amount of people being injured with this increased Russian bombing. Uh, the Russians are targeting civilian facilities. They're targeting hospitals. They're targeting power and water supplies. And, and, and all of that creates the demand for, for this equipment that we're sending. Unfortunately, we're also now dealing with with power outages that are resulting in in heating systems shutting down. Um, Your heater in your building that you're in can't function without electricity. So we are now sending generators, blankets, and heaters to people throughout the war zone, especially. So Uh, we actually have someone in Odessa today working to get this equipment uh, delivered right to the end user facilities. So, Emery, um, I, I want to talk to you about the on the ground experiences you had during your visit to Ukraine in June. Now that you've told us a bit about the work you've been part of in in helping send equipment uh, uh, to it, that's desperately needed there, um, people who are listening to uh, NPR's uh, GPB this morning know that we're uh, doing a brief, a two-day fundraiser as the year comes to a close um, because uh, we still need your help. In a moment, we're going to take a brief pledge break. So those of you who have not been able to help us with the work we do here at GPB have an opportunity to do that. I just want to say um, Political Rewind is now well over eight years old. We have um, found a home with so many of you out there who listen to the show on a daily basis. You communicate with me pretty regularly. You tell me what you like about the show. You tell me what you don't like about some of the things you've heard me say on a given show. And I appreciate all of that. I love the correspondence I have with you. I love the relationship that we have with the listening audience out there. So, if you have been helping us, as many of you say you have, I appreciate that greatly. If not, as we come to the close of the year, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, be part of the world of people who help us do what we do here. And here's how you can help. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon.
Welcome back to Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. I'm talking today to Emery Morrisberger, longtime Atlanta business leader who um, in June traveled to Ukraine because uh, he was invited to be part of the work from an organization called the uh, Friends of Disabled Adults and Children who were delivering equipment to Ukraine. But Emery Morrisberger, you uh, got there. And as a result of what you saw, you decided you wanted to take on an even larger project. And, and I want to talk about that in just a minute. But I want to read, if you don't mind, your words from uh, uh, an essay you wrote for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution after you returned from that June visit. You said, I spent days visiting packed refugee centers, distributing medical supplies, passing out food to mothers, clinging on to their newborn babies, Void of any other worldly possessions, and all the while, air raid sirens filled the air. I'm a father to seven daughters. As I witnessed the fear and desperation of these young mothers, I could only think about what more I could do for them. Um, So tell us a little more about what you saw. You went when the war was still fairly young. Bill, you're getting me choked up. Um, Those were some pretty tough times. Um, the, the people there were uh, working selflessly 24-7. I actually was driven across the border from Romania into Ukraine by two women, both of whom were Rotary Club presidents, and, and uh, men could not leave the country and still really can't leave the country. Women come and go, and, and women are doing a lot of the work over there, uh, kind of like here. And um, they actually took me to their refugee center that they were managing and and showed me the center. And then uh, I ended up working as a volunteer for a couple days, actually uh, handling the warehousing of the food and supplies that are coming in from the United States and then distributing that food to refugees that had been displaced from the bombing areas. Um, the, the, The volunteers worked 24 seven, uh, taking care of refugees, getting food into them and taking care of their needs, helping them to get their kids into school programs or some kind of camp programs just to, to keep them on track mentally. Um, they, they never slowed down. Uh, uh, one doctor I, I worked with, uh, I, she was actually working on a zoom call, running a meeting, and, and talking to me about medical equipment, all three things at the same time, at about 9 o'clock on a weeknight, never slowing down. The, the country there is unified. The people there are all determined to stay free and are determined to help each other to do whatever it takes to get through this, to win and recover, and, again, keep that freedom that, that um, they appreciate a lot more than we do, unfortunately. Um, and, and they are on track, and they're going to win. And I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing that happen. I actually think that will happen this coming spring. Um, volunteers worldwide are helping those folks to keep their, their freedom on track and to keep them moving forward. So, Emery, um, the refugees you saw, I assume, were in Romania, uh, the, the mothers who had their children, uh, uh, that they'd crossed the border to seek shelter. Um, it, and, and you just made an interesting comment that um, 
that the people are united. And of course, we see that all the time, continually in the news, that the Ukrainians are determined not to let Russia uh, overtake them. Um, but I wonder what the balance is. Uh, there, there must have been such desperation among the refugees that you saw, been displaced from their homes, uh, not sure where their next meal was coming from necessarily, uh, not knowing when they were going to get back to Ukraine, what was happening in their, in their towns uh, that the Russians were bombing or invading. So how did you see that balance between hope and determination and a certain amount of despair? Bill, um, well, the refugee, the refugee centers that I was visiting and serving were actually in Ukraine. Oh, okay. Uh, in, in all parts of Ukraine. I had, I had driven into Ukraine and, and was there in Ukraine working to get the food and supplies to these folks. Um, there, there were 41 million people in Ukraine before February 24th. Uh, about 6 million of those people, primarily women and children, left Ukraine for other countries. 100,000 actually came to the United States. And, and then another 5 or 6 million actually left the, the areas under attack and relocated into other parts of Ukraine, living uh, three or four families to a home, uh, living wall-to-wall beds in gymnasium-type buildings. And, and with kitchenettes set up down the hall and bathrooms, showers set up down the hall for a large group of people. And those, those internal refugees still within Ukraine are still living in those conditions all over Ukraine, basically away from the areas that are currently under attack. Uh, we're, we're working now with people in Odessa and, and Kiev. Uh, Odessa has been hitting, getting hit pretty hard. Uh, and having its power knocked out on a daily basis. The Ukrainian uh, utility companies are doing a great job of restoring that power. Um, In answer to your question, uh, how how are they going about it and how are they going to survive? There's a determination there unlike anything I've ever seen. And 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 it's across the board. It's it's the, the men who continue to work the men who are fighting and, and getting wounded and then trying to get fixed so they can get back to the front, and then the, the women supporting them. And I, I say men fighting. Uh, they've got women fighting as well. A, a lot of their medics are actually women, and, and some of their fighters are actually women. But the, the, the entire country is unified, and, and whether they're at the front or on the other safer side of the country. They're all determined to do whatever they can to help, and, and, and they're selfless. I mean, they're willing to give their, their own homes, their supplies, and their funding to help the, the people that are being impacted. I, I saw that in the other countries I visited as well. In Romania, uh, they're basically serving the refugees and sending supplies in. Again, continuously, tractor trailers going from Romania and Poland into Ukraine with all kinds of supplies. I I went to Istanbul and and was talking to the folks there about building their support for Ukraine. Turkey has been somewhat neutral, and I I wanted to get them off of that neutral center line into the helping Ukraine side. But even, even the folks in Turkey are helping with orphans coming out of Ukraine. Um... In general, 
uh, I've, I've never seen anything like it where people are so unified. And, and um, the, their leader, Walensky, is, has been kind of like George Washington was for us. They're, 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 they're confident in his ability. Uh, unfortunately, they, they question every once in a while what he's doing, but they know that, that he, is, he has the country's future as his primary concern. And, and he, too, is totally selfless, not looking to line his pockets or do anything uh, not for the good of the country, all committed to helping the country win this war and then begin a, a long rebuilding process. Uh, I assume that at, at some points in your journey, you must have come across uh, soldiers who had been at the front. Um, tell us a little about those experiences. Uh, Bill, when I was dropping off the surgical equipment in the hospitals, um, I, I often saw soldiers. Uh, I was introduced to soldiers. I didn't take any pictures there, but uh, many had been hit by shrapnel and, and were in the recovery mode. All were anxious to get back to the front. It was like, doctor, fix me up and get me out of here so I can get back to my buddies at the front. And... and um, they're, they're determined, and, and there, there are soldiers dying over there, which is what happens in a war, and, and uh, their relatives grieve, but their relatives understand this is part of winning the war and protecting their freedom. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, Zelensky, who, of course, before the invasion was viewed with great skepticism by many people outside of Ukraine and within Ukraine, too, for that matter. I mean, here's a guy who had been a, one of the most popular entertainers in the country. He'd actually played a fictional president of Ukraine yeah. in a tremendously popular TV series. So when he actually became the real president, uh, there was a lot of skepticism about him. He has become an international hero uh, in the uh, months since the war started. He famously... Uh, when when the United States said they'd be glad to help him leave the country to protect him, he he made that famous statement: "I need ammunition, not a ride." Um, I'm going to have to take another break in just a minute here. But when we get back, I really do want to ask you a little bit about how what you heard people say about Zelensky as you went about. Um, because one of the things you did say is they sometimes wonder exactly what he's doing. And I, I want to explore that a little bit more uh, because he's been a remarkable force in that country. Um, I've got to get to our final pledge break of the show. After this one, it's just me and Emery Morrisberger for the rest of Political <laughs> Rewind. But as we do come to the end of the calendar year here, we are looking to uh, get help from you if we can. You know, um, all of the shows that we air, Political Rewind, um, Morning Edition, All Things Considered, all of us who work for those shows um, make our living thanks to your contributions. And uh, so Natalie Mendenhall and Chase McGee and Jake Cook and Victoria Evans-Cash, who work with me on Political Rewind, um, they join me in expressing their gratitude for the fact that you help us do what we do every day. And if you still want an opportunity to contribute to GPB Radio, here's how you can do it. 
We're going to get back to my conversation with Emery Morrisberger in just a quick minute, but I do want to mention a couple of things. Uh, number one, today is uh, Newsletter Day at Political Rewind. We'd love to have you subscribe. You can do that very easily. Go to gpb.org slash newsletters with a plural, with an S, um, and you can start getting it delivered to your inbox every Wednesday. Um, also, one quick political headline that we'll talk about in some depth tomorrow on this show, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger today called on the Georgia General Assembly to eliminate general election runoffs in the state. Uh, there's a big movement in that direction. That doesn't mean it's going to happen because there are any number of people in the legislature who will oppose that, but it's certainly something that we'll be talking about on the show tomorrow. But let's get back to Emery Morsberger and talk more about the work he's been doing in Ukraine. And and Emery, in a second, I want to talk about the organization you actually founded to continue the work that you started doing last June there. Before we do, though, tell us about the way people talk about Zelensky in Ukraine itself. They are tuned in to what he is doing. Uh, at, at first, there was not a strong support for him. Uh, his support level was probably 35 percent after he was first elected. But um, his, his strength in, in uh, not backing down to Russia and, and his determination in, in carrying through to totally eliminating Russia, Russian forces from all of Ukraine, including Crimea, has built strong support. And, and throughout Ukraine, they are unified in the desire to get Russia totally out. As, as some of uh, people, some of the people around the world say, well, it's time for a compromise. Let Russia have a chunk of Ukraine and just call it quits. The Ukrainians are, are in, in agreement with Zelensky that, that there is no calling it quits until Russia is totally out. Leaving Russia in any part of Ukraine just just enables Russia to regroup and attack again after they get their act together. So the, the people are now in full support. They're excited about him, and um, they're, they're glad he's there. I, I, had he not stood up at the very beginning with, with his administration and said, we're not leaving Kiev, we're staying here no matter what, uh, I think things would have caved in on Putin's schedule with Ukraine collapsing in about a week or two. But but Zelensky uh, is now the clear reason that they're they're surviving, and and he's the leader and continues to be the leader that they need. And, of course, and we need to back them. We need to back them a hundred percent. Well, I I do want to ask you about that since you you said that yourself, um, as you well know. There are uh, conservative Republicans, among them Marjorie Taylor Greene, who are calling on the United States to dramatically reduce its aid for Ukraine. And and there's a strong right wing movement uh, that would like to push the country in that uh, uh, direction. We're going to see how it plays out when the new uh, Congress uh, comes into session starting in January. Uh, But I'm assuming that you think that's a pretty bad idea. I think that's a pretty bad idea. You're right. And, and it, we've got an isolationist group of people uh, on the far right of the Republican Party who, who basically don't want to get involved outside of our country. And those were the same people that said, let's let Hitler do what he wants to do 
it doesn't affect us. And, and, and we, we need to recognize that if we don't stand up to uh, authoritarianism and communism at the beginning, ultimately it will be knocking on our door. It will affect us. These people are actually fighting our battles, and, and we need to stand with them. I, I, I'd like to mention that um, Ukraine was the third largest nuclear weapon power in, in the early 90s. After the Soviet Union collapsed in 90, uh, uh, a lot of their weapons remained stationed in Ukraine. And Ukraine could have kept those nukes had, had they wanted to. But uh, we, we uh, our, our U.S. government negotiated with Ukraine to give up those nukes. And, and they were given up under the Budapest Memorandum of 1994. But Ukraine agreed to, to give up its nuclear weapons in return for assurances of its border security. Those assurances were granted by the United States, the Great Britain, and Russia. Imagine that. Russia said, if you give up your nukes, we'll, protect, we'll, we'll assure your boundaries. And, and here Russia invaded them in 2014, and then it tremendously invaded them on February 24th, 2022. We, we owe it to them to, to back them. One other point about that, it, it is the way I started at the very, very beginning of the show, was pointing out that the United States has now said they're sending their most advanced ground-to-air defensive system uh, to protect against drone and other airstrikes by Russia against it. And, and for quite some time, uh, we had been somewhat reluctant to take that step because um, it will give uh, Vladimir Putin an excuse to uh, say that uh, essentially the United States is fighting a proxy war in Ukraine. Uh, but it's a move that I think most of people like yourself are very glad to see happening. Very glad. And, and I, I think that it'll, it'll dramatically change the, the dynamics of the war where, where Putin can't just lob missiles into Kiev, killing people in hospitals. Uh, it, it will give Ukraine the confidence to keep on going. And, and going back to that Budapest Memorandum of 1994, I, I feel that we, we have an obligation to them to, to help them out. I'm not talking about us putting troops in there or engaging NATO, but we can at least send them weapons so that they can protect themselves as they were were promised in 94. Okay. Uh, thank you for weighing in on all that. Um, here's another uh, line or two from your uh, essay in, in the Atlanta Journal of Constitution when you came back from your June visit to Ukraine. You said, I returned to Atlanta with an accelerated enthusiasm to aid the Ukrainians. In many ways, my humanitarian journey for Ukraine began after my return. I've continued to rally all those who will listen to assist in that effort we formed Helping Ukraine as a centralized clearinghouse for our effort. Um, what are, I, I know you're trying to, to uh, raise money and have done so uh, for supplies for Ukraine. Are you still looking primarily at medical uh, supplies? I mean, the needs are obviously great in terms of everything from blankets and beds and other humanitarian aid as well. So I do want to give you a chance to talk a bit about that organization. Bill, I was in Ukraine for two weeks in June, 
and, and seeing those people in the, the trial, the turmoil that they were enduring made me uh, decide that I, I wanted to come back and do more than just write checks and talk about it. I, I formed HelpingUkraine.us to help raise money to send more medical equipment to their damaged hospitals to take care of people who had been hit by shrapnel and to take care of babies that are actually being born in bomb shelters. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, the bombing uh, of, of the hospitals and the power grid over there has resulted in, in large amounts of people without heat or electricity. And, and as a result of that, right now the temperature in Ukraine is 14 degrees. Uh, you've got people in big cinder block buildings, wall-to-wall beds, with no heat. And, and we are now working to get generators to the people that uh, are running these refugee centers throughout Ukraine uh, as, as we speak. I actually have someone in Odessa today lining up positions for generators, and, and we've bought 23 generators in the last week. Uh, we've bought two tractor-trailer loads of blankets in the last week, and, and we actually have a church group in Odessa that is manufacturing wood-burning stoves, uh, and we're financing that effort so that those stoves can then be gotten to the refugees that, that actually are, are not in towers but in, in places where they can work a wood-burning stove. Uh, but the, the, the heaters... The generators and the blankets are our priority as it goes down well below freezing. And, and we're getting good support. We need more support. Uh, but helping Ukraine.us is, is constantly up to date with what we're doing. And, and as, the, as the war changes, we'll probably change the kinds of things that we're getting over there. Emery, you've also talked about the fact that there's an interesting relationship forming, and certainly you're a part of it, a large part of it, between the people of Ukraine and the people of Atlanta. What does that mean? Uh, Bill, it's mind-boggling. Um, uh, the, the, the Rotarians here in Atlanta jumped in right at the beginning and started raising money and organizing shipments over there. They didn't talk. They acted. And, and they continue to act, and they continue to support this cause. In addition, there are a number of other organizations here in Atlanta working to help these folks. Georgia Tech has a big effort to help the Ukrainians. There are a large number of Ukrainian refugees here in Atlanta. Um, I'm actually working to help some of them get jobs and, and helping some of them to help their families over in Ukraine. Um, last night at a developer uh, reception, uh, we had two Ukrainians there, and, and they were actively engaged with Atlanta developers to, to basically get people knowledgeable about what's happening in Ukraine and, and on board to help with both the refugees here and the refugees that are still in Ukraine. It's an amazing uh, spirit here in Atlanta to help others selflessly. And, and I'm really proud to be a, a small part of that. Before we leave, Emery, um, we're less than two weeks away from Christmas. When you think back to your visit in June and the people you met there, 
What do you imagine Christmas is going to be like for those people who are still under the threat of constant attack by the Russians? Uh, boy, that's a tough one. I mean, here, here I've got my grandchildren and Janet's out shopping for Christmas presents and, and we're warm and comfortable. Uh, over there, um, it, it, there's a lot of stress. Uh, uh, there's, there's people that we're dealing with without heat or, or water or lights. Uh, but they've got each other, and they've got a huge spirit. And, and, and I, I, again, that spirit just keeps people going. It's like the, the religious spirit for uh, people that kind of keeps them motivated in, in spite of difficulties, in spite of difficulties that they encounter along the way. Helpingukraine.us is our website, and, and we are determined to, to continue helping those folks. And, and believe it or not, our spirit helps them. Uh, one thing I hope to do next year is, is set up Zoom classes between U.S. classrooms and Ukrainian classrooms. With the, the bombing there, they're trying not to have kids clustered in, in large groups. So a lot of their effort is on the same Zoom calls that our kids have been on during the pandemic. Uh, and, and we're trying to create some some fellowship through uh, classrooms talking to each other from the U.S. to Ukraine. But it's important for us to continue backing them to keep their spirits strong. Emery Morrisberger, um, it, it feels to me as if you have found a new mission in life. I mean, you've been active in the Metro Atlanta business community for a very, very long time. Uh, the people who are in the business world know you quite well. You've been in and out of the news over the years in politics and in business. But it does feel as if this has become just one of the most important endeavors you've ever undertaken. Well, you're striking a nerve, Bill. Um, it is. Uh being in Ukraine, I felt like I was um, in, in some kind of a movie. I, I couldn't believe that Emery Morseberger was there with air raid sirens going off, handing out food and supplies to, to women with babies in their arms. Uh, it, it, it affected my brain, and, and I really am determined to do everything I can to help them. Uh, Emery Morseberger. Helping Ukraine.us is hard at work making that happen. Emery Morrisberger, it's been a real pleasure to have a chance to uh, talk to you on Political Rewind today. We've known each other for a very long time, and I'm glad that you were a guest on our show. That's it. We're completely out of time uh, for today's Political Rewind. We're back to talking about political headlines tomorrow, including are we going to eliminate runoffs in the state of Georgia? Um, but in the meantime, I hope you all out there will take care and stay healthy. And thanks again. Emory Morrisberger. Here's how you can join the people who support GPB Radio. Bye, everyone.